98K News. Good afternoon, it's one o'clock, I'm Todd Harding. The headlines, activist Joshua Wong is released from custody after a court admits there were mistakes in his bail paperwork. The MTR network returns to normal, but the signs of vandalism from protesters are clear to see. And school pupils and alumni join hands and form human chains in support of the anti-extradition movement's five demands. The Democisto Secretary-General Joshua Wong has been released from custody and cleared to take a business trip to Germany a day after he was arrested at the airport while trying to board a flight. Eastern Court found that mistakes had been made in the bail certificate issued when Mr Wong appeared on unauthorised assembly charges last month and he had not breached his bail conditions. Mr Wong was still not happy. Unfortunately, with the political prosecution, no, uh, no one would love it would happen. But uh, with the chaos happen uh, yesterday, I've been detained for 24 hours. And I urge international communities to realize the political prosecution just result in white terror and become a common norm. The MTR network was getting back to normal this morning with the reopening of Central, Wan Chai, Mong Kok and Prince Edward stations, which were closed yesterday amid clashes between anti-extradition protesters and police. Protesters vandalised stations and set fire to one entrance at Central, where burn marks are still visible and cloth has been used to cover smashed glass. Kira Rimrot, a Canadian who has lived here for 14 years, was among the passengers passing through the station this morning. She says she understands the protesters' actions. Well, of course, we don't like to have um, things that are violent, like we want peaceful presentations, but sometimes it doesn't work, the peaceful presentations. And I totally admire the, uh, the protesters. You know, I come from a country where we've had democracy for more than 100 years and they're still fighting for it here. And I think that's wonderful. Chief Executive Carrie Lam, accompanied by Transport Secretary Frank Chan and MTR officials Jacob Cam and Adi Lau, visited Central Station this morning to inspect the damage. Thousands of high school pupils and alumni have joined hands to form human chains across the SAR this morning in the latest protest to press home the demands of the anti-extradition movement. At Carmel Pakyu Secondary School in Taipo, many participants said they joined the protest after four pupils and one alumnus were arrested at Taipo Market MTR station on Saturday. One pupil received head injuries as police used batons to subdue the group. Hundreds of people surrounded the school and they also delivered a petition to Taipo Police Station. This pupil said it was unacceptable for the police to injure his classmate who hadn't even been protesting. I want to tell the police that uh, they don't need to be uh, so uh, violent. My schoolmate was uh, hit by several policemen just because he, he was using the MTR station. He wasn't uh, protesting. Now he's had his hand and shoulder are hurt. He is innocent and I feel sad. At least three people involved in this morning's protests have received minor injuries. Cognitio College in Sampo Kong said a person wielding a cutter outside the school injured the hand of a teacher who tried to intervene. In Taikok Choi, some alumni of Poleung Cook Vicwood KT Chong Sixth Form College were injured when objects were thrown from a nearby building. Executive Council member Fannie Law has urged politicians on all sides to work to cool the situation after another weekend of violence at anti-extradition protests. She said the people who continued to gather and leave flowers at the Prince Edward MTR station, despite a firm denial from the government that anyone had died there, were trying to build anger to maintain the momentum of the protests. 
And, and, and I think this is the time that we should lower the temperature of the community rather than continue to incite anger and emotions. I think it's just nonsensical to see people crying, kneeling on the floor, claiming that six lives had been killed, you know, at the M- Prince Edward Station. Well, this is all acting. And yet it, the whole purpose, I suspect, is to incite anger and to encourage more people to come out to sustain the momentum of the so-called revolution. Speaking on RTHK's Backchat program, Mrs Law also reacted to an email from a listener who claimed that some girls were being tasked with providing comfort to frontline protesters. She said there were confirmed reports of such activities without detailing where the information came from. I think we have confirmed that this is a true case. So I'm so sad for these young girls who have been misled into offering free sex. The former Secretary for Justice, Elsie Leung, has warned that continued violence will act like a Pied Piper, leading Hong Kong people into the abyss and dragging the SAR with them. In an interview with state broadcaster CCTV, Ms Leung said people's freedoms were well protected under one country, two systems, adding that they had ample opportunities to express themselves in a lawful manner. The former vice chairwoman of the Basic Law Committee said people should stop the violence so that the Carrie Lam administration can engage in meaningful dialogue with society on the way forward. Legal scholar Danny Gittings says opinion polls show that some 40% of the public support further anti-government protests, despite the announcement last week by the chief executive Carrie Lam that she was formally withdrawing the extradition bill. Violence continued over the weekend with police firing tear gas, beanbag rounds and rubber bullets in various districts, while protesters set fires, including a large bonfire at an MTR exit in Central. Professor Gittings says it seems the government has no choice but to announce further concessions. China has made it quite clear that it's not going to come in on a military crackdown, so the government has no alternative but to make further concessions, and the next would be some form of commission inquiry. I mean, it won't be necessarily exactly what the um, protesters want, and we may well still be several months away from it, but you can't realistically see any other part of the government going forward except to make further concessions. A Democratic Party lawmaker who's helping seven victims injured in the Yunlong mob attack seek compensation from the police says he hopes the lawsuit will force officers to reveal more details of what actually happened. The group is alleging negligence for the police's failure to stop the incident on the 21st of July, in which anti-extradition protesters and passengers were attacked by groups of men in white shirts at Yunlong Station. Lam Chuk Ting describes the information he hopes to get out of these cases. We hope that we could get the information regarding the uh, manpower deployment of the police force uh, on that date and uh, who made those decisions to turn a bright eye to the attack which caused dozens of civilians uh, were seriously injured and uh, we hope that we could uh, force the uh, police force to answer those crucial questions. Meanwhile, lawmaker Alnok Hin says he's helping a member of the public to file a claim against the MTR Corporation at the Small Claims Tribunal. The resident was at Prince Edward Station during a police raid on August the 31st. 
Turning overseas, the Philippine Commission on Human Rights has begun an inquiry into the alleged abuse of human rights activists by the government and its agents. The hearing will examine reports of killings, enforced disappearances, threats and other harassment designed to silence those holding the government to account on human rights. The BBC's Howard Johnson reports from Manila. The Philippine Commission on Human Rights says it will use the five-day inquiry to present recommendations to the government of President Rodrigo Duterte for respecting human rights, the rule of law and democracy. Mr Duterte has been increasingly hostile to the organisation for its investigations into his punitive war on drugs, in which at least 6,700 people have died, according to the Philippine National Police. In 2017, Mr. Duterte accused the commission of political bias and threatened to reduce its yearly budget to just $20. A powerful typhoon has caused significant disruption in and around the Japanese capital, Tokyo. But the city seems to have escaped serious damage and is now getting back to normal. From Tokyo, the BBC's Rupert Wingfield Hayes reports. Faksai is the biggest storm to make a direct hit on the Japanese capital in more than a decade and it was feared it could do major damage. So far, that doesn't appear to have happened, but it is causing serious disruption for Tokyo's millions of commuters. Most of the railway network was shut down for checks for several hours this morning, as well as much of the Tokyo subway system. Hundreds of thousands of people in neighbouring Chiba Prefecture have also lost power. The head of the U.S. Agency for International Development has likened the devastation inflicted on the Bahamas by Hurricane Dorian to that of a nuclear bomb. Mark Green was speaking after flying over Grand Bahama and the Abaco Islands, where the storm made landfall a week ago. What I was struck by was the focused nature of the devastation. So there are parts of Abaco and the Bahamas that don't show a great deal of damage, and then there are clusters and communities that were devastated almost as though nuclear bombs were dropped on them. That's how great the suffering is and the devastation is. Local media say there's anger among people in Abaco against the Bahamian government for failing to provide enough help. Carl Smith is a spokesman for the National Emergency Management Agency of the Bahamas and he responded to criticism the response has been slow. I am satisfied that NEMA with its partners is doing everything it can to move as effectively and as efficiently as it can, given the circumstances. We are dealing with a disaster. We have coming on board additional partners with, with, uh, with expertise, and I've alluded to some of them, so you will see an improvement in the situation as we move forward. A new report by global health experts says the world could be free of malaria within a generation if the effort is properly funded. The study by more than 40 international scientists and health professionals said the disease could and should be eradicated by 2050. But the research published in The Lancet warns that it will require 2 billion US dollars in addition to the more than 4 billion currently being spent on malaria. One of the report's authors, Dr. Fred Binker from the University of Ghana, says good health management systems are also key. What is needed is very effective drugs, good health management system that reaches almost everybody, especially those in the remotest parts of countries where malaria is endemic. This is the real key uh, problem, that those who need the treatment most are unable to get it. 
Finance news now. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 26,663. That's 23 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $40 billion. To currencies, the US dollar is trading at 106.87 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 10 cents. And the pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 62 cents. And now with the sports news, here's Atom Jung. Rafael Nadal has recorded his 19th Grand Slam tennis title after surviving a closely contested U.S. Open men's singles final against Russia's Daniel Medvedev. Nadal blew a two-sets-to-love lead before pulling through in the fifth set. The match lasted almost five hours. Nadal's 19th major puts him one behind Roger Federer's men's record of 20. His fourth U.S. Open crown also puts him in the company of Federer, Sampras, Connors and McEnroe. Well, that's <laughs> that's so important for me. You know, uh, this victory means a lot, and especially the way that the match uh, became you no know, so so difficult, so tough. Was able to to hold the at the end uh, the nerves because the nerves were so high after having the match uh, almost under control, and then a five two, five four break point. So have been a, a crazy match, you no? Know, and <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know, I just <laughs> emotional. <laughs> Medvedev fell short in his bid to become the first player in 70 years to win a U.S. Open final by coming back from two sets down. But a great showing in New York has lifted a 23-year-old up to number four in the world rankings. Tom Brady has made a winning start to his 20th NFL season. The 42-year-old quarterback passed for 341 yards and three touchdowns as the New England Patriots crushed the Pittsburgh Steelers 33-3. On the night, the Patriots unveiled their sixth NFL championship banner. Aussie Umanyora is a two-time Super Bowl winner with the New York Giants. He says the Patriots are once again the favorites to win it all. They're going to be the team to beat until Bill Belichick is no longer coaching. I mean, this guy is just a fantastic coach, and he has his team ready to play every single year. And the reason why I say Bill Belichick and not Tom Brady, even though Tom Brady is arguably the best quarterback we've ever seen, is that there was a year that Tom Brady didn't play. There was a year that he got injured, and the New England Patriots were still a good football team. The Patriots will soon have the services of wide receiver Antonio Brown, who joined the team two days before the start of the season after being released by the Oakland Raiders. NFL writer Melissa Jones says Brown is a talent despite a bad reputation off the field. He's been disruptive wherever he's gone. The thing about Antonio Brown is he's possibly the most talented wide receiver in the National Football League. So he keeps getting away with this kind of behavior. But yeah, absolutely. There's never been a reset where let me kind of get my head straight. Let's make sure everything's kind of working. Last year's finalists, the Los Angeles Rams, got past the Carolina Panthers 30-27. to There were also wins for Dallas, Minnesota, Kansas City, Baltimore, and the L.A. Chargers. And that's your look at sports. Thanks, Atom. And to end the news, the top stories once again. Activist Joshua Wong is released from custody after a court admits there were mistakes in his bail paperwork. The MTR network returns to normal, but the signs of vandalism from protesters are clear to see. And school pupils and alumni join hands and form human chains in support of the anti-extradition movement's five demands. The news from RTHK.
A sunny morning. The smell of freshly baked pineapple buns. The ding-ding of a tram as we head to work. Neighbors laughing. The beguiling beauty of our harbor and skyline. This wonderful city has been built with the love and sweat of everyone. Treasure Hong Kong, our home. An employee can have a creative mind even if he is advanced in years. A colleague can manage the team well even if she is young. What matters most to customers is service standard. As an employer, why would you care about the age of your employees? A good employee is one who performs well. Age doesn't matter when it comes to recruitment, promotion, or training opportunities. Count on talent, not age, in employment. Welcome to the 123 Show on RTHK Radio 3. I'm Cruz McCalligan joining you on this Monday afternoon for the program. It's 